The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz. This is the Pet Buzz. Freshly collected with news, celebrity pet gossip, and the latest pet trends. Hosted by pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. And here's the Dynamic Pet Duo. Dr. Fleck, happy Halloween. Yes, it is. I know. Well, greetings, pet lovers. We welcome our listeners who tune in each week from around the world. You know, I just love the fall, the cool, crisp air. I know it's Florida and it's still 70 or 80, but it's nice. I think it's like sweater weather. That's what I used to say when I lived up north. It's not so much here, um, but it's getting cold up north, right? It certainly is. And I think snow has come or is coming to Colorado and the Pacific Northwest. Uh, We're going to talk about how to prep your pet for colder weather in the next uh, few shows with the best uh, pet apparel and, of course, warm, yummy meals. Okay. I think, uh, you know, that's an eye-opener. But we still have challenges here, right, Dr. Fleck? Oh, we sure do. And we're still dealing dealing really with the aftermath of the hurricane and... Although my neighborhood has been cleaned up because I live in the city, you live in the county, and I noticed there's a lot of debris all over the place. It hasn't been picked up yet. Yeah, what's it been, about four weeks since uh, the hurricane? Three to four weeks. Three to four weeks. And that presents a lot of challenges. It really does, and I know that our public works people are working very hard to try to make sure that they get us back to normal conditioning. But many, what I've noticed is that many of the homes where the people – really took all of the debris out of their yard, packed it in the front of the yard, and it's piled up in piles of wood as well as other uh, debris that they've collected from the storm. And one of the things that's really important about that is those are just breeding grounds for for a lot of insects, including fleas and ticks, which we have to be concerned about, as well as varmints like like mice and and rats. rats. And what's interesting to me, too, is that that hawk came from above, and we normally didn't have that on the ground to be exposed to our pets and to ourselves like we do now because the hurricane put all that, those limbs and, and other debris from the trees and up above. And that's created a new problem that I've seen in the practice. How, how so? Well, for example, um, there's certain times of the year when oak might be a, 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 a substance that might cause allergies in pets and in people. In people, of course, it's upper respiratory. In pets, it's skin. Well, that's been contained until we had all the big winds. Now they're knocking all those oaks down and spewing up all that, that debris that comes from the oak. And people and pets are reacting to it like they would maybe in the spring. Don't forget about zoonotic diseases being transmitted by bugs. And now we've got uh, extra breeding grounds for the mosquitoes and the ticks and the fleas. I think it's just something for people to think about as they watch the news, whether they're in Florida or whether they're in Oklahoma, where we know that's Tornado Alley uh, and Kansas, or whether you're in the Pacific Northwest and even in California with the fires, these are things people need to think about and really to protect your pet. And, you know, we always talk on the show about living with pets. Well, this is one of these things that we don't really see a lot of people talking about, but it's really, really important. Very important. Very important. So let's move on. Talk about what's happening on today's show. Well, this week we are talking about the crowning of Miss Teen Dallas with her service dog in tow. 
Pets and Politics, National Cat Day, Sleeping with Pets, and Martha Stewart's New Cats. And now for our first guest, Charlotte, please introduce the segment. Well, according to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, epidemiologists focus on the distribution, including the frequency and pattern, as well as the causes and risk of factors of disease in populations. That's a lot. We got to like tune in for this one. Veterinarian epidemiologists perform these activities specifically within animal populations. These disciplines are considered the backbone of public health. And joining us today is veterinarian, Dr. Rebecca Smith. She's the Associate Professor of Epidemiology in the Department of Pathobiology, College of Veterinary Medicine. So she is the Health Innovation Professor, Carly Illinois College of Medicine at the University of Illinois at Urbana. Dr. Smith, welcome to the Pet Buzz. We're very excited to have you here today. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm really excited to be here with you. So why should veterinary epidemiology be an interest to the pet owner? So uh, as uh, Charlotte said earlier, uh, epidemiology is really studying the health of populations. So, so we look at where people could have risks, where people could improve their health. And so we think about all aspects of health, uh, infectious disease, non-infectious disease. And we think about what exactly is uh, associated with that health and how can people improve their own lives? You know, and that's why when I had talked to Dr. Smith earlier, we thought it would be kind of interesting to talk about some scenarios that pet owners experience every single day in their lives and she could assess them and give us some guidance things that just you don't even realize that you could be putting yourself and your animal in danger that makes me even more interested in this interview (laughs) i know okay so just this morning i was reading on next door about a dog who was tied up at a local cemetery it's historic cemetery here in town the cemetery also was known to have coyotes running around. So they're constantly there. So the gentleman decided to take this strange dog home with him in order to keep the dog safe from harm. But did he possibly put himself in harm's way, Dr. Smith? So he could have put himself in harm's way and also any other pets he might have uh, just because this dog has been out in the wild and it has been exposed to potentially other canids. So uh, coyotes are relatives of dogs. They're, they're within the canine family, which means that they share a lot of diseases and a lot of parasites. And so this dog could have been exposed to fleas and ticks and mosquitoes that were also feeding on other coyotes and other dogs in the neighborhood. So that could be a risk, but also just other things that they could be exposed through through eating. We talk a lot in epidemiology about the fecal oral transmission cycle, which sounds terrible to people. I'm not eating poop, but (laughs) you might not know you are, but if you're sharing an environment with animals that uh, could be pooping in the environment, like coyotes, then you have to be concerned about how they might have contaminated the grass. They they might have contaminated the the spaces that you were in, and so those dogs could have picked up all sorts of things. And what's interesting is this area, although it's close to the water because it's on Riverview Avenue, 
it's also very wild over there. So you are going to have yeah. skunks. You are going to have possums. You are going to have all these things. I don't, I mean, maybe he should have just called the police and they would have taken it to the county vet, right? Like you used to be the county That's vet, right. Dr. That's right. They used to bring there and we'd have to care for it and yeah. look for all those things. I am so glad you brought this up because I see 30 to 40 patients a day and a lot of them have intestinal problems. And I try to point out to people because they have no idea where they picked up a problem. And I tell them, you know, the dog goes out and it forages in the grass, puts its nose down. So anything that was left on the grass from foreign animals, that's in the grasses and they put that on their nose. They can lick it and become sick. But even more importantly, they come home and they kiss their mom and dad. And then yes. mom and dad wonder why they get sick. Well, I'm glad that you're super excited about this. But yeah. I have to say, if you've just joined us, we're talking with veterinarian Dr. Rebecca Smith, associate professor of epidemiology in the Department of Pathobiology College of Veterinary Medicine at the University of Illinois at Urbana. So about the frequency and patterns, as well as the causes and risk of factors of disease and populations. So we are discussing everyday scenarios that could pop, that you might be involved in, that you know people who do these activities. That's why this interview is so exciting. And it really will give you cause to think. So you want to talk about what, Dr. Fleck? Cat rescue. Ah, that's Damn. a good one. Every day, people find them by the dumpsters. They find them out in the street. Maybe I'm stereotyping it, but so many gals are involved with, with cat rescue. Mm -hmm. Why should these gals, as well as guys, be concerned about that? And this is close to home for me because my nine-year-old daughter is convinced that she wants to be a professional cat rescuer when she grows up. Uh, so uh, cat rescue is great. And we really want to bring these cats out of the wild because cats are an ecological hazard in the wild. They're, they're responsible for a lot of death of a lot of native wildlife. So we'd really love to see them brought indoors and cared for. But when they're living out in the wild, they can pick up all sorts of things. So one thing that you're going to be aware of, of course, is those parasites, the fleas, the ticks. And then be aware that a lot of the diseases that uh, these feral cats can carry are transmitted through the fecal oral cycle. So when you're handling that, uh, that litter box material, you want to be careful you know, we're kind of up against it right now. Dr. Smith, we need to take a hard commercial break. Up next, the celebrity pets. It's all about Martha Stewart and in Flex Facts, sleeping with your pet. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. Training matters for all dogs, especially for puppies. To make training fun and enjoyable, motivate your pooch with Hunter's Healthy Treats. Hunter's treats contain no corn, wheat, soy, preservatives, added flavors, or food coloring. Dogs love them because they're soft-baked with healthy ingredients like pumpkin, peanut butter, and sweet potato. Train your dog to give him the best life with the best motivation. Hunter's Healthy Treats. Visit Hunter'sHealthyTreats.com.
Hunter's Healthy Treats is a proud partner of the Pet Buzz. Thank you for joining us on the Pet Buzz. The show is hosted by the dynamic pet duo. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. So we are back with veterinarian Dr. Rebecca Smith from the College of Veterinary Medicine at the University of Illinois at Urbana. We are discussing various scenarios that could endanger the health of pet owners and their pets. Dr. Smith, you know, I'm glad we're talking about cat rescue because I have a neighbor and Kelly and I love her to death and she feeds a lot of the feral cats. I live by a creek, so people over the years have really enjoyed having the cats around because they like to think of them as working cats. The problem is that the cats don't necessarily stay at Kelly's house. Um, And if she can't catch them in time, then of course they breed. So there's always some coming and some going. So it's, it's a vicious cycle when you start putting all of this together and what you see. But also the other thing that a lot of cat rescuers face is cat scratching fever. Yes. And that'll put you down for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so make sure uh, proper hygiene is just so essential for these things. Make sure that you're washing your hands. If you get scratched, wash it right away and, and try to make sure that you're, you're keeping the cats clean and, and getting them inside. That's the, that should be the goal of cat rescue. Get the cat inside and get it into its forever home. Uh, don't let it continue to wander outside. The other thing you should be aware of is ringworm. And that's something that cats can carry on their fur and especially these cats who have been outside. So if you're cuddling with these rescue cats and you start to see skin lesions, you need to be aware that you might've picked up ringworm from one of these cats. So what should pet owners be concerned about, especially if they hear them or see rodent droppings around the home? So the risk from rodents, uh, you need to think about, again, parasites. I, I keep coming back to them, but rodents can carry fleas that can jump onto your pets or onto you. So you want to be concerned about that. But you also want to think about rodent droppings. Uh, so urine can carry something called leptospira, which can be uh, transmitted in water and and that's can cause serious kidney disease. So you really want to avoid that. So places where cats or where rodents have been urinating, you want to keep the the animals away. You want to clean it up, wear a mask and gloves when you're cleaning it up. Uh, Also, rodent droppings in some areas, uh, rodents can carry different viruses that they'll find in their feces. And um, this is especially a problem out west, that if you've got a cabin out west that you haven't been in a while and you come out and you find mouse droppings, Wear a mask and gloves when you're cleaning it up because you can get all sorts of things in that dust when you're sweeping that can actually cause very serious disease. And I would like to think of the prairie dog as a rodent, correct? The prairie dog is, in fact, a rodent. And although we have been obsessed the last few weeks with monkeypox, we know, some of us know, that the last monkeypox outbreak in this country happened in 2003 in Wisconsin, where a prairie dog, which I believe was bought from a pet store, had interaction with 10 people and they got monkeypox. But these are things, it's just not one community. It's all of us could be infected if someone buys an animal like this person did and brought it home to play with the kids and the kids had friends over and then other people came over to see it all of a sudden we could have a public outbreak right of monkeypox. <laughs> yes so 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 
monkeypox actually in Africa, where it comes from, it's transmitted among rodents. It's carried in the rodent community and it oh. spills over into people through contact with rodents. That means that other rodents are susceptible. And so we did see that one big outbreak among prairie dogs and people who had contact with prairie dogs, which I think they had been handled in a facility that also handled imported African rodents, which is how it got into the prairie dogs in the first place. You know, we're not trying to scare the devil out of people. We're just asking them to have good hygiene to protect because potentially they can be affected by these diseases from pets too. You know, it's really funny because um, Dr. Smith has talked about washing your hands. Mm -hmm. So I remember, you know, years ago, <clears throat> they talked about the proper way to wash your hands. I had no idea what they were talking <laughs> about. So I took the initiative to go to the CDC website. So I learned how to wash my mm -hmm. hands. Then I went back another time. Now I know I'm like obsessive and mm -hmm. crazy, <laughs> but I actually turned a timer on so I could, and I have a nail brush. I mean, one of the things I did during COVID is I bought a bunch of nail brushes and I constantly constantly scrub my nails so i think it's important that we learn and i will post on our website uh the link to the cdc so people will properly know how to wash their hands so more with dr smith later in the show but now for celebrity pet buzz well martha stewart recently introduced two new cats to her farm and her family menagerie she is not only the cat mom she is now a cat mom to two new bangles. If you've never seen a bangle, you should know they are just lovely cats. They're actually one of my favorites. The bangle is a domesticated cat breed created from a hybrid of the Asian leopard cat with domestic cats, especially the spotted Egyptian male. The breed name comes from the leopard's cat taxonomic name. Bangles have this great wild appearance. They're with a golden shimmer comes from their leopard cat ancestry and their cuts uh, really may show spots, rosettes, arrowhead markings, or really kind of cool marbling. They're a super energetic breed that needs a lot of exercise and play. While Martha wrote on Instagram that her cats are getting acclimated to her 150 acre farm, she also wrote she tried them out on the porch, but they escaped and got into trouble with the dogs. Now, if you recall a few months ago, her dogs killed her Persian cat. And of course, the coyotes killed her numerous peacocks. So this all happened within the last year. So Martha, I'm more interested in not showing the pictures on Instagram, but I'm interested in how you're gonna protect these new kittens from your current animals, as well as the wildlife at your homestead. You know, I, I'm intrigued by by her, you mentioning that they're adjusting to being on the farm because as a veterinary practitioner, when I've gone to the farms before, I'm seeing barns and that's where I've seen cats. You see bar cats. I somehow don't think her two cats are spending time in the barn. I don't think they are either, but I think she wants to get them used to being on the property. and On the but property. I, on the property. Just happens to be but a farm. But I don't farm. think they'll be around I don't think they acres. will either. Welcome to Just the Facts. Just the Facts. Fact or fiction. Just the Facts, ma'am. You want answers. I want the truth. Well, you're up, Dr. Fleck. What's the topic for today? Um, How about... Pets sleeping in bed with their pet parent. Ooh, sleeping with the, not sleeping with the enemy, sleeping with the pet. No, no. Yeah. The enemies come to both the pet and the pet parent. Okay, so 
Is sleeping with your pet in bed a good thing or a bad thing? The veterinary profession doesn't encourage them to sleep with their pet, but I happen to feel as though that it's probably a very beneficial thing for both the pet and the pet parent psychologically, not epidemiologically like we've been talking about with right. the show. People like sleeping with their pets. It, it does so much for their psyche and, and their health because psychologically they feel so warm and so appreciative of having that other individual that cares so much for them both ways. That warm body. Okay. Yep. But their downside. So we talked about the good side, emotional well-being, feeling love, the warmth, right? Let's talk about the big issue, which is hygiene, right? Absolutely. Because you're, you're a hygiene kind of guy. All right. So think about this. And you take your dogs for walks every day. Mm -hmm. So when the pet goes outside, if it's going in your backyard and not for a walk, it's still outside and it's walking on the grasses and it's putting its nose down in the grasses and rooting itself. Um, and it's maybe rolling in the grasses and it's just getting the outside air. It's getting air. dirty, Dr. Fleck. Just getting dirty. Yeah. But it's very important because people don't think of that necessarily. They just, it's a normal behavior for a dog. So their hygiene is different than us. Anything else? That's all for Flex Facts this week. Great, great topic. What about you? Does your dog sleep in the bed? Tell us on the Pet Buzz social media channels. Up next, more with Dr. Smith talking about pet scenarios that can affect your health. And I bet you can't wait for my I Likey of the week. You are listening to the Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We love to communicate with you via social media. Use the Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and our buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Buzz, the best in pet talk radio, where we focus on enhancing the bond between pets and their people. I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. I like you of the week. That's the way it has to be because that's the way I like it's genius. It's to die for. I like it. Well, looking for one-stop shopping for the holidays? Check out Chewy.com. This online retailer is one of the pet places for pet lovers to purchase pet products. Wow. Can you imagine that? All oh, those a lot of peas, right? Lot of Although peas. stocked with Halloween costumes, seasonal toys and treats. You should know that there are still Halloween deals on cat and dog costumes, toys, and more for up to 40%. That's a great deal. Pretty awesome. And Chewy.com has pet supplies ranging from pet food toys and treats to litter aquariums, pet supplements, and much, much more. Shop for all your pet's needs at Chewy's online pet store. There's even an online pharmacy to obtain your pet's medication fairly quickly. Free shipping on orders that are $49 and up, low prices, and great live customer service. Get this, 24-7. Most importantly, I love their mantra, Chewy's delivers happiness. 24-7? 24-7. I love that. Now for the Pet Buzz mailbag. You've got mail. Today's question is not for me. It's for you, Charlotte. This question hails from 
Kalamazoo, Michigan, a That's place where hometown. I resided for 13 years. Sure. As well as going to school there at Western Michigan University and get a master's degree. So the question is, Martha wrote, Charlotte, how can I celebrate National Cat Day with my furry friend? Well, Martha, National Cat Day is October 29th, and there are tons of ways to celebrate. Firstly, don't forget to share photos of your cat on National Cat Day on the Peppa social media feeds and tell us why he is so special. Ask yourself, does he need a furry friend or does she need a furry friend? And if he or she does, considering adopting a cat from a local shelter so that he has a playmate and you have a new family member. Uh, you can also volunteer at a local cat shelter. A lot of people don't know this, but about 6.3 million companion animals enter U.S. shelters annually, of which 3.2 million are cats. So it's easy to understand why many shelters need volunteers. So, and if you enjoy it, Add it to your roster of weekly activities. It's a great way to help cats, help the shelter, and also meet new friends. And if you enjoy shopping, take the time to find the perfect cat toy because you want to find toys like laser toys and fishing pole toys. They're fun, but they also bring out your cat's natural instincts to run, to chase, to bat, right? The cat to bat and pounce. Uh, there's even luxury items that you can purchase, but maybe you want to save those for Christmas. But they're like automatic cat feeders, especially if your cat wakes you up in the middle of the night, like our assistant Hallie's does, as well as self-cleaning litter boxes. So what do you think? And Martha, I just want to let you know, thanks for writing and keep listening to the Pet Buzz. We want to give you the best advice possible so that all you all can have better relationships with your pets. Nice report. Nice report. Well, let's bring back veterinarian Dr. Rebecca Smith. She is an epidemiologist from the College of Veterinary Medicine at the University of Illinois in Urbana. She is discussing various scenarios that could endanger the health of pet owners and their pets. Well, you know, as the weather turns colder and we have falling leaves on the ground, why is it such a bad idea to encourage not only our children, but our dogs to play in the leaves? So leaf piles can carry all sorts of things. And the biggest concern that I have as a researcher of tick-borne disease is that ticks can live in leaf mold. In fact, we, we look in the leaves to find the ticks when we're out looking for ticks in the wild. So if you're in an area that has a lot of ticks, uh, this time of year, is when the black-legged ticks are most active, which happens to be the ones that carry Lyme disease. So you wanna be aware if you're in an area that has a Lyme disease issue, which is most of the Northern US and quite a few parts of the Southern US as well. So you wanna be aware that there could be ticks in your leaf pile. There can be other insects in there and also just molds and bacterias can get in there, especially if your animals or other animals, wild animals are playing in the yard or are around your yard, there can be animal feces, animal urine in that leaf pile. You know, one of the things I wanted to ask you, because Dr. Fleck and I, uh, a while back, were really interested in um, and ticks and carrying uh, tick-borne diseases. And um, one of the things that came up that I read in one of the medical journals was that if you start seeing high numbers of dogs, specifically dogs, getting Lyme disease, it is sure to follow 
that you will start seeing human population in that area. Is that, do you find that to be true? That, that does seem to track what, what we've noticed is that, that human and uh, canine dog Lyme cases do tend to track with each other. And one reason you might see it in the dogs first, this is something fascinating that I've learned working with tick-borne disease. Veterinarians have better and easier tests for Lyme disease than human doctors. It's a lot easier for us. We have a nice in-house uh, Lyme disease test that a veterinarian can do very quickly. Uh, human doctors need to take a whole bunch of samples and they need to send them out to the lab. And it's, it's actually a much slower process. So we tend to see the Lyme cases in pets diagnosed earlier than in hum the Lyme disease cases in humans, just because our diagnostics are better, which is a rare occasion <laughs> where the, the veterinary world is ahead of the game. Hmm. Yes, we are. You know, we're constantly involved in deforestation. If people don't understand that they're moving into new homes, they move into rural areas that's considered deforestation. Um, so what do pet owners living in the rural or the outskirts of the suburban areas need to be aware of? So in in these areas uh, where we have new expansion of people into territory that they haven't been in before, that's a really wonderful uh, interface for what we call the human animal, the, the pet wildlife human interface. So this is where now we have wildlife who have been living in this area for a while and they're being disturbed, they're being exposed to new people, new animals. We also have disturbed land, which can cause uh, disturbances in the balance of wildlife. So you can see more of certain species that do better with disturbed land and fewer of others. Uh, there's a lot of debate within the tick world as to whether or not this increases the risk of tick-borne disease, but it does appear that Tick-borne disease is a much higher risk in these areas where you have uh, disturbance, you have new new buildings in an area that was previously forest or natural land. But any other potential wildlife-carried diseases can be a risk in those areas because you have wildlife that had previously been, you know, nicely stable in their property and all of a sudden their their land is disturbed and so they're going to be coming into your property and interacting with you and your pets even if not directly even if you're not seeing them face to face they're going to be peeing and pooping in your yard they're like going bears to right yeah like they're bears. going to be getting into any food supplies you leave out uh one thing you have to be aware of if you have cats that go in and out which i encourage you to keep your cats indoors for the sake of the wildlife, but if you do have cats outside and you're feeding them, that cat food dish can be a real attractant to a lot of wildlife and they're going to be coming in and interacting with your pets. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking of, I'm thinking of, you know, rabbits with tularemia, right? Yep, raccoons. Mm. And raccoons, it's not just rabies, but there's a roundworm carried by raccoons. It's mm -hmm. a really bad thing for kids, especially. Mm -hmm. And raccoons are really attracted to cat food. And, you know, I'm glad that you brought that up because my neighborhood is plagued with raccoons. And we have one neighbor and she's already gotten fined and yelled at uh, by the authorities for feeding raccoons. But she had found some in her property years ago and she raised them. So she thinks of them as her pets, but a lot of them come from the banks of the creek 
and you will see these raccoons. They were they are walking down the street, and they're out during the day. Now, you know, most people say when they see a raccoon during the day, it's got rabies, but they're not, you know, tipsy or acting weird. I mean, I don't know. I don't get close to them. Like you said, the kids are walking on the streets barefoot, mm-hmm. and kids in my neighborhood. There's a few kids in my neighborhood who play. And I, you know, and the raccoons are on the cats are all on the same street and the dogs from the dog owners are on the same street. Hey, it's time for a commercial up next. We'll finish up with Dr. Smith, but we're also bringing you global pet news and tell me something good in our next segment. I know you love your dog and you want to treat him well, but with so many treats in the pet marketplace, how do you choose? Look for treats made with no additives or preservatives, just natural ingredients like Hunter's Healthy Treats. Choose pumpkin, sweet potato, or peanut butter heart-shaped treats. Not only are they good for your dog, but he will love the taste too. For healthier treats and happier dogs, choose Hunter's Healthy Treats. Visit HuntersHealthyTreats.com. Hunter's Healthy Treats is a proud partner of the Pet Buzz. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck here at the Pet Buzz. We are urban, suburban, and and country. Hey, we're back with Dr. Smith talking about how our wildlife and environmental factors can affect our lives. Yeah, our lives and our pets' lives. Well, Dr. Smith, goodness knows what's on that street. I worry less about the street and more about the grass ah, <laughs> or about okay. the natural mm-hmm. areas because mm-hmm. on the street, you can, you can wash the street. The rain's going to wash a lot away, but that grass, things get into that soil and on the grass that they, they, you really can't tell how clean it might be. Or what's in it. Or what's in it. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's key. Just the deforestation just reminds me of all the emergence of snakes in our living area he hates snakes i hate snakes loves football hates snakes (laughs) well i have one more question and i think it really has to it's going to be a little bit of monkeypox and a little bit of covid i think um monkeypox what we know about monkeypox and covid19 have taught us some valuable lessons about how to interact with our dogs and cats especially if we're sick so dr smith can you give us some insight about that well we love our dogs and cats, right? We love to snuggle them. We, we love to get close, let the dogs lick our face. But one thing that we know that has become more apparent with monkeypox with COVID-19 is that sometimes when we're sick, we can actually make our pets sick as well, especially if we have that really close contact. So you know how when you're sick and you're, you, you don't want to give it to your kids, you tell your kids, okay, no hugs right now mom's sick, or at least I do this, Mm -hmm. or, or, you know, when my kid got COVID, she's going to wear a mask for the first couple of days. So she's not transmitting it to the rest of the family. We might want to consider that with our pets too. If, if you are sick and you are actively sick and it's something that you would avoid having contact with people, you might want to think about your pets as well. Not every illness is something that you can pass on to your pets. But a lot of these emerging illnesses, uh, so both SARS and monkeypox are what we call emerging illnesses, 70 to 75% of those are zoonotic, which means we can transmit them to animals. So we just need to be aware. If you're sick and you're thinking, I don't want to make my family sick, I don't want to make a friend sick, also think about your pets. And it, it doesn't mean you have to send your pet away. It just means maybe don't let them sleep in the bed right now. Maybe don't 
don't get up in their face all the all the time which i know with cats it can be really hard they will they will jump in wherever but just just try to keep your distance a little bit more wow what great information yeah you know you know i'm sitting here thinking i'm thinking about miami zoo Mm -hmm. um you know the miami zoo there's adjacent to the zoo there's a large park and there are a lot of feral cats in that park and as a result of many of them having toxoplasmosis they end up in the zoo at night and a lot of the cats and other animals get toxoplasmosis so i think and then of course some people get it as well so you know it's so interesting and so i guess in a way exciting to kind of look at the world and i you know i think it's about looking at the world and what you do in a different way you know what i mean i think you kind of have to start doing that now don't you dr Flo? oh i totally agree with that and i'm so glad that we've had dr smith on today because this makes an awareness of people hygiene 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 yeah. so important and and i and i think coupled with good health that we learned really during covid i mean when we started finding out that diabetics can die in four days once they ended up in the hospital you start thinking how healthy are you how can you be healthier right how and then of course then you thought about oh how can my dog be healthier and then when you're you know people were calling you know calling you thinking can i give covid to my dog yep so it's i think for us it's really you know it's not that it's the doom and gloom show it's really having people adjust their perception of their interaction with animals, their own and wildlife. First of all, start out with an awareness. Yes. Then move towards a little more protective care. Well, Dr. Smith, this was really a great interview. Thank you for joining us. Can you provide us with a website where we can learn more about veterinary epidemiology? Well, I I don't think we have a very centralized website, but I can send you some information about what we do. We're pretty we're pretty uh, diverse and disparate group of people, so so we're not very centralized. But I can provide some information on where you can find what we do and and where we work. What a fascinating discussion <laughs> that was. Veterinarian Dr. Rebecca Smith, a veterinarian epidemiologist from the College of Veterinary Medicine at the University of Illinois at Urbana, discussing how pet owners and pet health could be endangered by animals and diseases in our environment. And, you know, I hopefully you listen to this interview more than once and start thinking about some of the things that you do, um, like washing your hands, checking out your yard, cleaning up the poop, not leaving cat food out, because that's a huge thing a lot of cat owners do for the outdoor indoor cats. Um, yeah, this was fantastic. Yes, it is. Well, just to remind you, that was veterinarian Dr. Rebecca Smith, a veterinary epidemiologist from the College of Veterinary Medicine at the University of Illinois, um, talking about pet and pet owner risk assessment when it comes to wild animals and or a changing environment. Hey, Shark, can you share some global pet news with us? And now, Pet Buzz news from around the globe. Well, here in the U.S., we've seen the politicization of pets. I remember, Rubies, I'm sure you can remember this, Dr. Fleck, that one Halloween when I had the more or less Donald Trump pet costume with the blonde wig. Remember that? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that same year, Metro Paws created Smear Campaign 2020 Limited Edition Poop Packs. One was blue and one was red. One had Hillary, one had Donald Trump. And of course, that same year, Go Dogs. Uh, created a donkey and an elephant with their signature chew guard so the pets could chew them up. 
But this one doesn't take the American cake. It takes the British scone. Well, an entrepreneur, he's a British man, spent nearly $4,000 making a squeaky dog toy that looked like Liz Truss after she became prime minister. But his business venture went belly up when she resigned in about 45 days. So here's this guy. He contracts with a company in China to make these toys. He hasn't even got the toys and she's out of office. But the toy is called the trustee dog toy so what's so funny it basically looks like a bobble-headed dog toy looks just like her wearing a little suit and now he's stuck with them and he's really afraid now his wife is just gonna go batty mm -hmm. because he's gonna have so many in the second bedroom of his home and what she could have done with what he invented the money he invested sure and that too i know so it's just crazy because now he's selling them for 25% off, but I really think he should position it as a limited edition, you know, in 44 days, get your trusty dog toy, but it just goes to show you, you can never count on politicians. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with that. Now it's time for the good. News of the day got you down? No worries. Pet trendologist Charlotte Reed is here with Tell Me Something Good. This is a necessity like air and oxygen. Tell me something good. When Allison Appleby first signed up for the Miss Dallas Teen Pageant, a random stranger told her, you can't do that. You have a service dog. Pageant girls don't have disabilities. It's not a horrible thing to say to Absolutely. somebody. Well, Allison proved that stranger wrong and was crowned Miss Dallas Teen USA earlier in the month with her service dog in training, Brady at her side. So there she is getting the crown and Brady's right next to her. Awesome. Appleby was designed with epilepsy about two years ago, and Brady, her golden retriever, assists her by alerting her to oncoming seizures and is trained to fetch her medication. Well, according to medical detection dog trainers, dogs can detect chemical changes in the body of a person just about to go into a seizure. And if they sense a seizure is coming, they will bark to get attention for someone who could, who could, help, could help the two of them. Well, this pageant winner, not such a long time ago, after she got the crown, opened up her experience competing for the Miss Dallas Teen USA on Instagram, communicating that she attended her first pageant competition with the intentions of not only having fun, but advocating for girls with disabilities, Wonderful. which I think is great. Now that's something good. Something very good. Well, Dr. Fleck, you know what time it is. It is? You always say that. It's a wrap now. Wow. But before we go, we want to give you a preview of next week's show. Well, next week we're talking about what dogs are listening to on Spotify. Can you imagine that? I mean, remember back in the day, it was like, what record are you going to buy, Dr. Fleck? RCA. Yeah. And then in my day, it was remember like. Remember the dog that had the. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. With the megaphone. Yeah. And then in my day, it was, you know, it was kind of like dvds oh. you know it started with albums but then it went to dvds and cds and all that other stuff but albums are coming back so now dogs have their own dedicated spotify podcast and whatnot and music for them <laughs> well and also because it's getting cold brr, how to dress your dog for cold weather well but we should give some special thanks for the guests that we've had on this week yeah so our a, a wonderful guest 
epidemiologist, Dr. Rebecca Smith. And of course, we must always thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin coat and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere, and Hunter's Healthy Treats, making all natural, yummy treats for dogs of all sizes. And if you have a question, write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. We'll cover it next week on the show. Yeah, and definitely write to us if you have any questions for the Pet Buzz mailbag. Or reporting anything yeah. to us. Yeah, but definitely, we love pictures of your pets. Please. And if you've missed any portion of this show, visit our social media channels as well as your favorite streaming channel and listen to the Link podcast on Monday morning. But most importantly, remember, we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pet Buzz. The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. www.thepetbuzz.com Learn more about us, the show, and our guests.